Did you know that over 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every single day? That's a new track every 1.4 seconds, and that's just on one platform. With so much music now available, it's more important than ever to stand out from the crowd. So it's not surprising that more artists are starting to use less conventional sonic textures in their music, like field recordings. Perhaps you've always wanted to infuse the sounds of nature or your favourite city into your own tracks, but not having the right gear or knowledge might have held you back. Well, if that's the case, you're going to love the brand new guide I just created, teaching you how to start field recording with just a smartphone. And it's all yours for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. Yep, you really do just need a humble smartphone and some minimal extra gear that doesn't have to break the bank to get started with field recording. And I've laid it all out in this handy five-point checklist. So download it for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel and elevate your music to the next level. There are numerous examples of where delay sounds great, but it can also sound a little too much too predictable, and even like someone's just using it because it sounds fun. And this can all add up to it sounding a little bit gimmicky. Hello and welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs. My name's Isabel and over the last decade, my self-produced and self-released music has amassed over 25 million Spotify streams. I also have a PhD in sonic arts, but I wasn't always this confident with music tech. In fact, I still hear those self-doubt gremlins in my head from time to time. I started this podcast to help more female-identifying musicians start recording and producing their music and learn from other women making music with technology. If that's your cup of tea, then you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in. It can feel pretty overwhelming when you start looking into all the gear and software you could use to start recording your music yourself. Questions like, where do I even begin? Whose reviews can I trust? And how do I know I've got everything I need can often make the whole process feel pretty overwhelming. But for many musicians, it's the cost of sourcing all this stuff that's the biggest roadblock. But it doesn't have to be this way. There's actually more free quality recording tools out there than ever before. You just have to know where to find them. Luckily for you, I've done something pretty clever. I've put together a list of the top 10 free tools you can use right now to start recording your music from home. And I've listed them all together with links and all in a free PDF guide. You're so very, very welcome. To get your hands on all this good stuff, just go to femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. That's femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel and download my 10 free tools to start recording your music PDF guide right now. Well, hello there, knob twiddlers, and welcome to another full fat serving of Girls Twiddling Knobs, the podcast version of a coven of music tech witches cooking up a whole host of recording and production lotions and potions to get your music sounding sweet. And oh, do I have some musical magic up my sleeve for you today? Because 
Inside this week's episode, we're delving into the delightful world of delay. Now, delay as a musical effect has been knocking around for a while in both analogue and digital recording. It's nothing new, but is often less frequently used than its sister, good old reverb. Now, delay has some fantastic applications and can create truly stunning effects in your music, but it can also sound a little gimmicky too if it's used as more of a blunt instrument in our recording projects. So in this episode, I'll be sharing some fascinating facts about what delay is, how it relates to sound in the real world, and how it was developed as an audio effect. We'll also draw from a selection of artists who have defined their sound using this effect in order to better understand its uses and applications in audio and music production. And I will, of course, be sharing some very practical tips for integrating it with precision and skill in your own music too. So without further ado, let's get into all things delay. So how does delay occur in the real world? Well, an echo happens when a sound wave reflects off a surface and travels back to you. You may be thinking, but isn't that also how reverb works too? And you'd be correct. The main difference is that with reverb, sound waves are reflected back at less than 0.1 second, which means our brain perceives the reflections as being part of the original sound. In the case of an echo, the reflections are heard far enough after the original sound that our brain perceives these as separate. Hence why in Greek mythology this phenomenon is actually personified as the nymph Echo, who can only speak in an echo. The whole premise of the story of Echo is fascinating from a feminist perspective, and arguably holds many analogies for women in music technology too. For example, Echo was first punished for speaking too much by the goddess Hera, who then deprived her of the ability to speak, apart from to echo the last words of another makes me think of the many women in music technology whose voices and achievements have been erased from history, apart from in connection to the work of others, and mainly men. Later, the god Pan punished Echo for rejecting him by driving a bunch of shepherds into a mad frenzy and tearing her to pieces. Gaia, or the Earth, buried Echo, but allowed her to return in song. How many women in music and sound have been significantly disadvantaged in their careers due to the wounded ego of a colleague? And how many have been reduced to then singing other people's songs, literally or otherwise? But I digress, dear listener, back to what an echo actually is. We covered the difference between an echo and reverb, but just to complicate things, an echo can also have reverb too. This is because when we hear an echo, i.e. reflections of an original sound more than 0.1 second after it has sounded, we may also hear reflections of this echo as it is being fed back to our ears, depending on the acoustics of the spaces that we're in. Like with many other natural sound phenomenons, music technology has been used to reproduce and alter the sound of an echo. In music production, we play with this echo phenomenon in the form of delay, which is an effect process that takes incoming signals and plays back delayed duplicates. There are various approaches to this process, 
which we'll explore in a second. But when did delay become a thing in recording and production techniques? Well, delay was developed during the late 1940s and early 50s, with experimental composers such as Pierre Schaeffer and Karlein Stockhausen designing elaborate configurations of long tapes and playback systems. One of the first musical releases to use delay was Les Paul and Mary Ford's 1951 rendition of How High the Moon. Mary Ford's voice is processed with a close, short delay, which thickens and distorts the natural sound of her voice. Delays in the 1950s were created using tape machines, and this model led to the first analogue delay units, the Maestro Echoplex in 1959, and later the Roland Space Echo in 1974. The 1970s saw the introduction of digital delays such as the outboard unit AMS-DMX-1580S and the guitar pedal Boss DT2. But what about delay plugins inside your own door? Even if you haven't had a chance to fiddle around with the delay unit or guitar pedal, you will have likely seen delay plugins inside your recording software. Delay plugins work in a similar way to analogue and digital delays in that an audio signal is passed into a temporary memory buffer and is then recalled from that buffer at a later time. Delay plugins will remove any delay time calculations by responding to the BPM of your door, therefore making sure all of your delays are in time with your song. Thank you, digital technology. There are many different delay techniques to explore in your door, but these are some of the most common delay plugins you'll find. So firstly, multi-tap delay. Now this is where multiple taps or outputs are taken from a delay buffer, each with independent times and levels and summed with the original signal. This allows you to have a much more complex and crafted delay sound. And you'll hear examples of this on both the piano and the processed electric guitar in my own track, Watch You Leave, which you can listen to at the link in the show notes. Next, slapback echo. Now, slapback echo uses a longer delay time, typically 60 to 250 milliseconds, with little or no feedback. A good example of this is the song that we mentioned before, How High the Moon, which I've also linked to in the show notes. Next up, Stereo Delay. Now this lets you set the delay, feedback and mix parameters separately for both the left and the right channels. This can create depth and space in your mix, as well as a greater sense of immersiveness when used skillfully. And finally, Ping Pong Delay. Now, this is where the delayed signal alternates between two stereo channels. For an example of this in action, listen to four minutes into my song, Effortless Pain Relief. Like reverb, delay is an incredibly powerful effect and can be used to create overall ambience and or provide emphasis for individual parts. Delay can even be used to change the perceived direction of a sound And as delay can be used to create many different effects, it is used in unique ways by different artists and in different genres. For example, delay can actually be used as a rhythmic effect in and of itself, as much as a spatial or atmospheric one. One of the pioneers of dub, King Tubby, used the Roland Space Echo that we mentioned before in the track Jar Jar Dub, which can be found on the 1983 Best of Dub album. 
He combines a mix of close reflections and long echoes that display how delay can be used to create an interplay of syncopated rhythms. Alternatively, an artist who uses delay to create space in their work is Japanese musician Cornelius, who uses a ping-pong delay on his track Water Rodori. By bouncing delay repeats across the stereo field, juxtaposed against elements of hyperclean and dry guitar and an incredibly steady kick drum, the overall effect is a complex texture of dry and affected elements. There are numerous examples of where delay sounds great, but it can also sound a little too much, too predictable, and even like someone's just using it because it sounds fun. And this can all add up to it sounding a little bit gimmicky. So here's five questions I want you to ask yourself when you're next using delay in order to make sure that this doesn't happen to your music, that you're not using delay as a gimmick. So number one, ask yourself, why are you using delay? If it's just because it's a novelty to use it, that may not be enough. We've covered some great reasons for using delay. Maybe it's to emphasise rhythm. Maybe it's to juxtapose texture. Maybe it's to emphasise and isolate a particular instrument. Perhaps you want to add thickness to an instrumental part, including voice. Knowing why you're using it will help you use it better. Next up, ask yourself, have you overused delay in your track? As in, if you have it on every track... Are there tracks you could take it off without noticing that much? Would taking some delay off maybe even improve the overall sound of your track? Leaving in only what is absolutely necessary is a great compositional and production technique in general, and your use of delay is no exception. Number three, ask yourself, have you timed your delay well? Not all delays will require such a close scrutiny of timing. But if you've chosen to have a ping-pong delay, for example, with a syncopated quaver delay on it, you'll want to make sure this timing actually fits with the rest of your track. Otherwise, it could feel pretty jarring. Number four, ask yourself, do you need to EQ your delay? Yep, even the output of your delay plugin can be EQ'd and this will significantly help your overall mix to have balance and clarity. Some plugins actually include the ability to EQ your delay built in, but you can also run your delay on a bus track and this will allow you to mix your original sound however you want, as well as allowing you to treat your delay with any other effects, including EQ. And lastly, number five, do I need to add delay to other effects on my track? If we use an effect and we're working in stereo as most of us often are, We don't want that effect to be all crammed into the middle of the stereo field. We likely want it to feel spacious and to sit naturally in the mix. Whether it's reverb, saturation, a chorus or a flanger, subtle stereo delay can lift our use of these plugins to the next level. I hope that's given you lots of food for thought when it comes to using delay in your music, dear listener. I personally love using different types of delay in my own work and it's taken me a while to really learn how to craft the sound I want without tipping over into something that just sounds gimmicky. It really is often about using less rather than more 
and getting into the finer points of the different parameters inside your delay plugins in order to hone your sound and get a more balanced mix. Next time you're listening to your favourite artists, use the tips and insights we've covered in this episode to analyse if and how delay is being used. It could be overtly, like in the case of King Tubby, or it could be something much less obvious, like using a tiny bit of delay on another effect to help it sit better in the mix. And if you're looking for more delay tips when it comes to producing vocals, I highly recommend checking out episode 5 of the podcast with the fabulous SJ, as she describes why she likes using delay rather than reverb to create warmth and atmosphere. Links to that and all the other numerous articles, tracks and resources I've mentioned are in the show notes, so knock yourself out. Now next week is our last episode of this season. I know, I know, how will we ever manage, dear listener? And where did the time go? Season two is nearly coming to an end. But we're definitely going out with a bang because I'll be bringing you a very special episode recorded at the one and only Abbey Road Studios to celebrate their 90th birthday and it's going to be amazing. In fact, in-house engineer Marta Dinozzi will be giving us a guided tour of these legendary studios, sharing the work being done there to champion women in the studio, and she'll also be sharing some unmissable tips to get your tracks sounding lush. So don't miss me for this very special final episode of season two. It's going to be a corker. But for now, take care and I'll catch you here soon. Girls Twiddling Knobs is hosted and produced by me, Isabel Anderson, with production support from Francesca O'Connor and is a female DIY musician production. So, how do you like that episode, dear listener? If you loved it, and you know someone else who would love it too, be a good friend and share it with them. Go on, spread the girls' twiddling knobs love.